Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad Alexander. I'm your host and a simple beggar. I found the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, and I'm giving basic directions where this bread from heaven may be found. This episode, ABC. You can credit the Jackson 5 with the title to this episode. And yeah, I know, it's typically based on a classic rock or heavy metal song title, and every now and then, some hip-hop. But this time, we are going Motown, folks. And listen, if the theme fits, jam it. Let's go. The Jackson 5, of course, from Gary, Indiana, featuring Michael, Jermaine, Tito, Jackie, and Marlon Jackson. You may also recall that there was a short-lived cartoon based on the Jackson 5 that ran from 1971 till 72, and it included original songs by the group, but none of the characters on the show were actually voiced by any of the Jacksons. They were kind of busy about that time. They released three albums in 1971, and they were touring all over the place. Here's something that I didn't know, and I kind of bet you didn't know, too. The cartoon was directed by none other than Rob Basler, who is best known for the Beatles' Yellow Submarine cartoon. Yeah, I didn't know that. And Basler insisted that his team of writers and animators be creative and not stoop to ignorant gags and stereotypes in the cartoon. Huh. Imagine that, all the way back in 1971. Yeah. The ABC Network re-released the cartoon in 1980 due to the increasing popularity of one Michael Jackson. But if you're a frequent listener to this podcast, you know it's not about the music or the cartoons or even the TV network. It's about the message. ABC. It has been impressed upon me through conversations with some friends, fellow followers of the Messiah Yeshua, and also, I believe, at the leading of Adonai, to look at the basic elementary teachings regarding Messiah, the milk, if you will. Now, I will confess, in my pride, when these conversations began, I was kind of thinking, really? I mean... Do we, most of whom have been walking in this faith for over a decade, do we really need to rehash the elementary teachings? I mean, come on, people. But I recognize, at the very least, this does help us keep grounded to the foundation of our faith. And of course, once I started studying and digging into these basics, these elementary teachings, this baby food milk, I was humbled and my eyes have been opened to the truth that I had been, some I had been ignoring and to other aspects of it, I had never in my almost 30 years of walking with the Lord considered. So to get what I'm talking about, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 5 uh, at verse 11, and we're going to read through to verse uh, chapter 6, verse 3, if you're following along. So we'll start at Hebrews 5 and verse 11. About this subject, there is much for us to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become sluggish in your hearing. 
For although you ought to be teachers by this time, again, you need someone to teach you the basics of God's sayings. You have come to need milk, not solid food. For anyone living on milk is inexperienced with the teaching about righteousness. He is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who through practice have their senses trained to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the basic teaching of the Messiah, let us move on toward maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of trust in God, of teaching about immersions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, this we will do if God permits. So, the writer of this letter to Messianic Jews, Hebrew followers of the Messiah Yeshua, this writer is rebuking and exhorting these believers because they should be at a point where they are teaching, discipling others, but they are not. And they once again need to be fed baby food, milk, because they have become sluggish in hearing. To be sluggish in hearing refers to falling out of practice, becoming complacent in the basics, because solid food, as this passage says, that which goes beyond the milk is for those who through practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So what is the milk, the baby food? We know that infants drink their mother's milk while their digestive system develops. They can't initially handle solid food. Even so, this is true of followers of Messiah as we are born from above, born again. The writer identifies the basic teachings of Messiah and he says that they are this. There's a list of six of them. Repentance from dead works and of trust in God, of teaching about immersions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The writer does not want to lay this foundation again, but desires to leave those elementary teachings to more solid food. But the people need a refresher course. Going back to it. So as we look at these six basics, repentance from dead works, trust in God, teaching about immersions, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, it is easy to be arrogant and proud and be like, well, yeah, I know all that stuff. I know that for myself, for, for me, for myself, I have read the book of Hebrews more than any other book in the scriptures. And honestly, I kind of blow past that list. Like, well, yeah, I got that with, you know, with hardly giving it a second thought. I am giving it a second thought and would like to explore these six things with you because what we see in them is the gospel. They are even placed in this specific order for simplicity's sake as a step-by-step -step elementary instructional path of the gospel. It's, it's amazing. And these are, these are the six things 
with which these people should have been familiar. But again, the writer's like, oh, we, we, we have to go back here. We got to go back to some of the milk. And so very quickly, what I would like to do is give a modern evangelical nutshell of these basic teachings, because this is for, for many years in my walk of faith, this is what influenced my understanding of these basic elementary teachings of Messiah. And I, I don't want to belabor this point, and I don't want to sit here and beat on and thrash on you know the, the modern day church, um, but I do, I'm going to explain personally my understanding and what I believe is the common teaching that is out there from evangelical churches. So we, and, and this is so that we can dig in. We want to understand the context as we study them and that we become aware of these things, the common teachings, again, that, that many of us have been taught, which in fact contradict the whole of Scripture and so that we can know how we can discuss such matters even with followers of the, the evangelical gospel, right? The common evangelical understanding of these six basic teachings of Messiah go like this. We need to repent of dead works, which are works of the law and commands because they can never save us. We need to believe in Jesus so we can go to heaven. We have to be properly baptized as quick as possible when we come to faith. We lay hands on sick people and pray for their healing. Jesus was raised from the dead, resurrected, so we don't have to face eternal judgment. There they are. Okay, That's the evangelical gospel in a nutshell. And while there is some truth in this encapsulation, there is a lot missing from it. The evangelical gospel, is, and it's, this is something that's really important for us to know because it's easy to get this kind of attitude and, and, and arrogance in ourselves if, you know, as we uh, kind of thumb our noses at, at much of this stuff. The evangelical gospel brought back the vital message that God wants personal relationships with us as individual people. See, this was lost for centuries and turned into a corporate message of as long as you are in the church, you are saved. You know, through the sacraments and the creeds, there's, there's this corporate salvation. If you say that you are of the church, well, then you're in, you're saved. And so in the, the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries and beyond, this, this shift began to bring people to personal decisions to follow the Messiah in day-to-day -day life, making it about, you know, individual relationships with God through Messiah Jesus. And that is huge. That is vital, spot-on, accurate, and so important. And that's from, from guys like John Wesley to Jonathan Edwards and on up through, through the centuries to, you know, Billy Graham and the like. A personal relationship with God through Messiah Jesus is an undeniable necessity. The problem is the gospel preached by most evangelicals is formulaic. Simply saying, 
believe in Jesus, that he forgives you your sins, and you will go to heaven when you die. This is not the gospel of Scripture. It's kind of a piece of it, but it is not the the whole of the gospel. This gospel tries to tell people what to believe, simply that, what to believe, without telling people telling us what we're supposed to do. And in fact, doing, that's highly discouraged. Don't do, because that's contrary to faith in this, in this teaching and understanding. And this is not the gospel that Messiah Yeshua taught himself, certainly not, nor did any of his disciples or apostles teach it this way. You can't find me the scripture that where Yeshua says, believe in me, and you go to heaven. That's not, he didn't say that. It's, it's void. This, that, the evangelical gospel, again, and I'm speaking in very general terms here, it's void of the prophet's instructions and the connection to the prophets and the Torah and the writings. It is void of the restoration of Israel, which is a huge part of the gospel and the coming kingdom. See, the gospel according to Yeshua, if, if we're going to do these small nutshells, is repent. The kingdom is at hand. If you're looking for something to put on a business card. However, to expound on this, because it is, there is more to it than just that, that simple phrase. There is, there is more to it. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm borrowing from D.T. Lancaster here um, his breakdown. This is how to present the gospel of Scripture, the gospel Yeshua and his disciples taught, and the gospel that has been throughout from the beginning. And so it goes like this. Repent of your sins because the messianic age is near. How near is it? It's so near that the Messiah has already been identified. Yeshua of Nazareth, a son of David, attested to by God with mighty works, wonders, signs, and miracles that God did through him. He was delivered up to be crucified by the plan and foreknowledge of God, crucified by the hands of lawless men, But God raised him up, loosening him from the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and having received the Holy Spirit, he has poured it upon his disciples. Therefore, the implication is, repent from your sins, turn to God. Be immersed for the name of Yeshua, the King, to become his disciples, part of his movement, and you will receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. When he comes again, which will be soon, he will bring the messianic era and establish the kingdom of heaven and everything that entails. He will defeat the enemies of Israel, bring an end to the exile, and restore the kingdom to Israel as predicted by the prophets. At that time, God will raise Yeshua's disciples from the dead to join him, just as he raised Yeshua from the dead.
At the culmination of the kingdom comes the final judgment, when every person who ever lived must stand before the throne of judgment, the names of those who have obeyed the King Yeshua and trusted him will be recorded in the book of life along with the names of the saints, the righteous. The promise is for the Jewish people and for their children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God Adonai Elohim calls to himself, Jew and Gentile. Now, I believe and I, I recognize that this is perhaps a little more wordy and cumbersome and it doesn't fit on a business card or in a meme that you can post on social media. But that is the gospel of scripture. It is very much in line with what the apostle Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. It doesn't sell as well as the other version. But which is more important? Marketability or biblical accuracy. And what I understand is that America's purpose-driven pastor, whom you may or may not know, he was asked, what is the secret of his success? Building the largest church in America, what is the secret to your success? And his answer was, my secret is simple. I never preach on sin. Yikes. Well, yeah, that's going to make you popular and you will have stadium-sized congregations. You'll fill stadiums with people with that message. But what kingdom are you populating? Let's not forget. Narrow is the gate. Straight is the way. Few who find it. Okay, so keeping on with, with the basics, I want to keep moving on and stay on point here. Because again, as with this list, this, these six things, so it is with the gospel. And it starts with repentance. Repentance from our sin, not from works of the law, the Torah. I, just, I try to wrap my mind around how would one come before the Lord our God, Adonai Elohim, and ask to be forgiven for living or trying to live according to his law, the way he tells people to live. How would one repent of that? Now, one may repent of putting faith in themselves and their actions, like checking boxes, did all this stuff, and doing them by, by again, faith in themselves, Instead of doing them by faith in the holy and just God, motivated by a fear of the Lord, he is just, and motivated by love for him and love for our neighbors and faith in him. Yeah. So again, let's start with repentance from dead works. The basics. The first elementary teaching and the initiation of the gospel. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. So what would this statement, repentance from dead works, mean to first century Jewish followers of the Messiah Yeshua? Why is that important? Because that's the context of this letter. It's written, presumably, by a Jewish follower of the Messiah to other such individuals. 
So they would have a common understanding of this statement. Repent of dead works. Repentance is something that is instilled throughout Judaism. The Hebrew word is teshuva, which means to turn or even return, turning away from sin, your sin, and returning to the ways of the Lord. The phrase, repent from dead works, would have been commonly understood as repenting from your sin. Dead works was a Jewish term to define sin, as in works of death. You're doing the works of death. The Apostle Paul said that the wages of sin is death. He makes reference to the law of sin and death, which has been violated by many teachers who say, that's the law of Moses, the Torah. That's the law of sin and death. No, no, it is not, and may it never be. The law of sin and death refers to the fact that sin brings death. This truth is revealed from the beginning in Genesis. Then Adonai Elohim commanded the man, saying, From all the trees of the garden you are most welcome to eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you must not eat. For when you eat from it, you most assuredly will die. Disobeying, breaking the command of God brings death. That is the law of sin and death. Leviticus does a great job defining sin as breaking the law of God. And for those who think that's just Old Testament stuff, the Apostle John says those who sin practice lawlessness. And he says that sin is lawlessness. Lawless means what? Without law or in opposition to law, meaning we should be lawful people or law-abiding citizens. And I'm not referring to that pile of garbage movie with Gerard Butler. Yuck. Anyway, sorry. No, as followers of Messiah Yeshua, the son of the living God, we are to abide in his law. Yeshua said that the very thing in John 5. So repentance is turning away from our lawlessness, our works of death, sin, and turning to abide in the law of God through Messiah Yeshua. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Yes, law abiding people. And we are to repent of our own sin, of our own lawlessness. Not repenting of the sin of Adam, as some teach. It is our own individual sin that causes death in us. Deuteronomy 24, 16. Fathers are not to be put to death for their children. And children are not to be put to death for their fathers. Each one is to be put to death for his own sin. Numbers 27.3, referring to a guy named Zelophehad. It says, Our father died in the wilderness, but, it was not, but he was not one of the followers banding together against Adonai with Korah, though he died for his own sin. Ezekiel 18.20, The soul that sins... 
he will die. The son will not bear the iniquity of the father with him, nor will the father bear the iniquity of the son with him. The righteousness of the righteous will be on him, and the wickedness of the wicked will be on him. And yes, those are those are from the, the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. And so, if you would prefer, from the New Testament, the Brit Hadashah, James. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But each one of you is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown... It brings forth death by our own desire. Romans 5, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writing, So then, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, in the same way, death spread to all men because all sinned. Our individual sin is an obstacle between us and God. Scripture says he turns away from us. It brings exile, sin does, and it delays or prevents redemption. Psalm 51 is probably the most amazing, accurate depiction of what repentance should look like. And we broke this down in the Sorry, So Sorry episode. Um, You can refer back to that one. Please check it out because it really breaks down repentance, what repentance looks like. But in Psalm 51, King David cries out, begging Adonai, take not your Holy Spirit from me. How damaging is sin? By it, we can grieve. We do grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was fond of making lists. So let's look at a couple of his lists. First, from Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 19, he's describing deeds of the flesh or works of death, sin, as he differentiates between those who live by the Spirit, which is life, comparing to those who live by the flesh, which is death. Now, the deeds of the flesh are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, just as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit God's kingdom. He's writing... To believers in this letter, he is writing to believers as he is in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed, don't even let these be mentioned among you as is proper for Kedoshim. Obscene, coarse, and stupid talk are also out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Know for certain that no immoral, indecent, or greedy person who is really an idol worshiper at heart has any inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah and God. Again, he writes these things to believers. Well, wait, where's the grace, Paul? 
Where's the grace in all of that? I mean, come on, this sounds, this sounds just like a bunch of legalism. Sin is still sin. It is defined the same forever. It's the same as it ever was. And it has the same result now as it always has, namely death. As Paul spells out here, no inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah. Now, the Apostle John makes sure that we do understand that as followers of the Messiah, if we sin, transgress God's law, we must repent. And when we do, when we confess our sin to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua, the Messiah, the righteous. Amen? But we are not to continue to live in sin, meaning that it should not be our, it is not to be our practice. That's not how we live. And again, Paul covers a bunch of those, the the things that are not to be found within us. So a gospel without repentance from our own sin is truly no gospel at all. It is not the gospel of scripture. Repentance involves brokenness before the holy king of the universe. When we think of Psalm 51 and we think of Isaiah chapter 6, when when Isaiah acknowledges in the presence of the Most High God that he is a man of unclean lips. And again, King David in Psalm 51 where he is broken, a man of broken broken spirit and contrite heart. Think of Moses even before the burning bush declaring himself unworthy as he is a man of unclean, uncircumcised lips. Abraham calling himself dust and ash in the presence of the Holy One. Think of the many who fell at the feet of Messiah Yeshua. Repentance is acknowledging and confessing our guilt to the righteous king, that we have broken his law and we beg him for mercy, pledging that we will follow his way, his law and commands. And God, in his amazing grace, looks upon the lamb who was slain for our sin, the atoning sacrifice, and he forgives us our sin He forgives us our sin for which we deserve death. But based on our confession and the death of the righteous one, the Messiah, we are forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God to live as his children. This is not a one-time thing. So as to say, well, I repented in 1991, so I'm good. Well, did you not sin in the last 30 years? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I did. Okay, so so where is repentance in that? And again, this is this is a continual part of our relationship with God through Messiah Yeshua. Those who say that they they had that one-time prayer, that one-time repentance and have the imputed righteousness of God through Jesus, so they no longer have to repent. They trample underfoot 
the blood of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. But back to, back to the basics, basics of the Gospels, the elementary teachings. The Gospel begins with your repentance for your sin and me with my repentance for my sin, my transgression of the law of Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. Confessing it to God, turning away from works of death, turning away from sin to do the works of life in Messiah Yeshua as spelled out for us in the Torah of God the Father. And he empowers us by giving us of his spirit. But that will be a discussion in another of these milk messages. Lord willing, of course. I hope that this has blessed you and given you some insight into the initial, the basic elementary teachings of Messiah that we are all to have understanding of that we may practice them. And as we practice them, we will be prepared for solid food. Please, I ask you, again, as, as I usually do, study to show yourself approved of God. But as you do, and if you believe that there are others who could benefit from this study, please share, just share them. The gospel begins with repentance. Repent, the kingdom of the Messiah is at hand. God is faithful and just to forgive. How great is our God. We must know the basics of the gospel if we are to be ministers of it so that we can go out and give them heaven, which is what we are called to do. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate you. Yes, let us go out and give them heaven. Shalom.